0: Welcome to the One Last Sketch Podcast. Again, this is Michael Wojcik and I'm joined by my friend...
1: Marie Gotrek.
0: And if you're wondering about the increased sound quality, it's because we're actually in the same room this time.
1: It's amazing. It's amazing.
0: came back from Brewster's.
1: Brewster's, which is, I think, only in Alberta. i probably totally lying. Microbrewery, restaurant. Thing. Yeah. They make their own beer from sauce.
0: No, that explains a lot. Yeah. Uh.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, the, um, we had a sample of all the different beers. Thoughts?
0: Uh, they were from bad to okay.
1: There's about two that I really like there, so...
0: And my body is protesting what I ate.
1: Very greasy food is the downside.
0: Yes, I feel quite gross after eating that beef dip.
1: Which puts us in a perfect frame of mind to review Joe Walton's tooth and claw.
0: Yes, slightly buzzed, which is the perfect mindset to be in reviewing a book <laughs> such as this. <laughs> For the basic premise, we have a family melodrama a la Pride and Prejudice. The difference being that all the main characters are dragons.
1: Indeed, all the characters are dragons. Well, I suppose there's one human at the end. There is one human at the end. <laughs> For not a lot of time.
0: <laughs> there are references to humans throughout the book. But...
1: Spoiler alert.
0: Spoilers! <laughs> yeah. Of course there will be Spoilers! However, I'm just assuming that with a book with such an insane premise, it won't really matter what we spoil. Yeah. It is a fairly standard melodrama, the main attraction being that... Dragons!
1: Dragons! Um, Yeah, your listeners probably don't know this thing about me, which is that if you sort of walk into where I live, there's dragons everywhere. (laughs) I have a bit of a thing about dragons. I do tend to read Books that just happen to have dragons on the cover and some kind of thing. Yes, Cause... I
0: bought this at a used bookstore, White Horse. Basically, I saw it at the used bookstore. I went back home, stepped with Marie, and said, uh, "Do you want this?"
1: I said, "Yes, there's a dragon on <coughs> it. I'll take it."
0: <laughs> so I bought it and nailed it to her. And now I came back to Edmonton for two weeks. And I borrowed the book that I bought and mailed to her so that I could read it for this podcast. (laughs) Uh,
1: It's, I have to say, it's a lot better than you'd think the premise would be. I have to say that that's probably true.
0: (laughs) It did win the World Fantasy Award and the John W. Campbell Award for Best New Writer.
1: Yeah, although winning the World Fantasy Award that year was, well... We looked up the other contestants, so yeah, we can see why.
0: (laughs) I guess the most interesting part of this book is that it takes axioms of various Victorian melodramas that we just don't find acceptable anymore, and makes these social conventions biological in dragons.
1: Literally, your status is your size as a dragon, which I kind of thought was funny. And you get to be a larger dragon by cannibalism of other dead dragons... Although, eating a li- killing a living dragon and eating it entirely for that purpose is wrong on so many improper levels. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's by eating other dragon meat that pe- that dragons get larger and thus become more prosperous.
0: Yes, so your lower classes are all about seven feet is about the okay. largest that they grow. Yep. Their wings are also bound together and they're allowed to fly.
1: Yeah, as are the... Uh, members of the church, or, um... The Parsons. The Parsons, yes. Bind their wings if they cannot fly as a show of humility.
0: The history is a rough uh, replica of British history in that there was an invasion long distance in the past by humans Mm -hmm. who tamed the dragons and introduced all these customs, Then they, unlike British history, rose up against their masters, but still retain many of the social mores and customs from humans, including religion. But, in this case, the Parsons have a slightly different religion based on dragon principles, and persecute those who follow the old Yargish, or human religion, which is... Shockingly like Catholicism. <laughs>
1: yes, it's very, very like Catholicism. Definitely Christian some kind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, there was that bit where it's like, oh my god, they believe that what's its face was a yark. How dare they? What matters?
0: One of the gods was a yark. Yeah. Or actually I think all the gods were taken from yark traditions was. It? Yes how it worked, but only one of them was recognized as a yarg,
1: per se. <laughs> Don't know if we made it sufficiently clear, but yargs are humans.
0: And there are sporadic border wars, yep. where a young and ambitious dragon can go to feast on the dragon meat of those who have fallen in battle. Mm-hmm. That's for larger. Mm-hmm. There are also very strict biological reasons for Victorian gender rules.
1: There's this whole maiden thing which means that your scales haven't turned pink, which they tend to do, when I think a male dragon just touches you at all.
0: A male dragon can just come close. Yeah. And it's enough to set off the change in dragon scales. Female dragons are usually a gold color. Yeah. I guess there are green dragons but they tend to get eaten. Yeah. Very soon after that. Yeah. And
1: um, the pinkening... To be turned pink by a male drawing near is akin to basically just sleeping with somebody, as so far as I can tell, mm-hmm. or being improper in any way, so it's a very, a very um, bad time if you're a single female and turned pink but have no connection <coughs> permanently to a male.
0: However, there are potions that may reverse this process. Yes.
1: Tease. Teas it may stop you from turning pink, but may force you to always be maidenly colors letting everyone know that you have used this tea, and making the problem one that you just have to deal with in the future. <laughs> which is a part of the plot of this story.
0: Technologically, the dragons are also at about 19th century level. They have trains for carrying goods and for...
1: Carrying dragons that can't fly.
0: Or who do not want to fly for that duration. They wear hats.
1: They do wear hats.
0: Just. One of the stranger images that comes out of this book. Yeah. <laughs> the judges wear periwigs. Yes. Which, a uh, dragon in a periwig. <laughs> Rather <particularly>, interesting.
1: <laughs> which was the various wigs that that one dragon swapped between. There were three wigs in the, in the law courts, I believe, and he was just swapping between them.
0: There is an abolition movement. Yes. For servants, not slaves. No, yeah. so the servants in this book basically are slaves, since their master can eat them even if they against the law.
1: Mm-hmm. Mainly because they're bigger and can beat you up.
0: And once they reach a once a male dragon reaches a certain age and a certain size, they can also breathe fire.
1: Yes, although it does tend to overheat them, I think.
0: Yes, and make them die fairly soon after they do this.
1: Yes, burns them out as it were.
0: Lifespans last uh, hundreds of years. Indeed. I believe if you are a larger dragon, I don't think that serpents have the same lifespan. Uh, no, I don't think so. Even though they also live quite long. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and, um.
0: There are dragon balls.
1: <laughs> so <Some> terrible fun!
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, there are definitely social events in this world. Uh, Sort of as pointless as many Victorian sort of social events were.
0: Dragons drink tea.
1: Yep, and uh, eat some sheep. I think they eat sheep mainly, don't they?
0: Yes, but there is a ban on cooked meat. A religious ban, actually.
1: Because that would make you more yargish if you cooked your meat.
0: Mm -hmm. Raw meat is the only way to go. What sets off the plot in Tooth and Claw is that Gordon a respected dragon dies, but he doesn't have much money, and according to dragon custom, his relatives get to partake and eat of his body.
1: But there have been a scene as well that only his direct descendants should partake of his body.
0: Or it's that the richer ones can only take one bite and that the rest of the body will be left over to...
1: Yes, that's right.
0: his, to the weaker sons and daughters. There is a dragon called the illustrious Davorek, who is Mary Bon's daughter. Baron, And he believes that, according to the will, only the gold was divided in this fashion, and not Bond's body. So he ends up devouring, along with his wife, half of Gordon's body, thus upsetting the rest of the family of Gordon,
1: Avon, uh, Pen, who is a parson, <laughs> Cylinder, and Hainer. Slender and Hainer being, being maidens, and the others not.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and before Bond's death, the parson, Penn heard his confession, which, <sighs> according to our rules of the not-Anglican dragon church, is right. a sin. <laughs> <laughs> and it was this confession that gives proof that Bond's body was supposed to be divided according to what was the conventional interpretation of his will, but
1: in giving allowing confession <laughs> to occur, Penn could not then uh, Remain incriminate a himself by <laughs> explaining how it was that bon, that he learned that Bon wanted his body divided, because then he would have given confession, which would have been a reason to strip him of his bonds and throw him out of the priesthood. I think.
0: Yes. <laughs> What follows is a fairly convoluted plot, as Victorian melodramas are, where there's lots of talking.
1: Lots of talking, lots of kind of wandering around and being bored and melancholy.
0: Not much particularly happens, but uh, the usual boredom that you would face reading a Victorian melodrama is alleviated by the fact (laughs) that every character is a dragon.
1: It does make it so much better. See, dragons make everything so much better.
0: In this case, the social explanations are usually quite hilarious when they're tied to biology. <laughs> so I think it's best to read this as a comedy and a satire as opposed to a serious attempt
1: at oh, Definitely. <laughs> there's that particular point um, where, uh, what's that chapter? Let me find it. Okay, um, there kind of each section, um, each each chapter has a name, but each section, there's also subsections, so there's, like, the second hearing, the second proposal, the third proposal, for example. And then there's uh, section 60, which is entitled, The narrator is forced to confess to having lost count of both propo- proposals and confessions, <laughs> which I think pretty clearly signifies the uh, attitude of Joe <laughs> Walton in writing this.
0: And how incredibly twisted. Twisting as clock gets over time.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, yeah, it's just. It's really kind of a stupid story. <laughs> it's a really kind of stupid story. But I'd say worth one read.
0: Highly entertaining. I would think that Marie enjoyed this novel more than I did.
1: It had dragons in it.
0: There were too many moments where I was going, mmm. Oh. <laughs>
1: I think it definitely would appeal more to the female audience who likes the sort of nice little stories than the romances and pointlessness.
0: I would say that if you liked Charlotte Bronte and Jane Austen and stuff, and you also like fantasy literature, you would probably enjoy this a lot more than either of us did. <laughs> Not to say that we didn't enjoy it, because the novel <laughs> is a lot of fun. It is good. It's. I wouldn't say there's anything profound said, either about life in general or particularly about the Victorian era. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I mean, there is a bit about um, freeing servants, but that basically gets dumped.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that doesn't really come to anything.
1: And there's a very quick turnaround in the plot where it just sort of very quickly all gets resolved and ends. As any
0: Victorian melodrama does, all your loose threads get wrapped up.
1: The only thing that really confused me about this was the whole illust, illustrious Exalt Exalted.
0: Yeah, they have various titles for various levels of dragon.
1: And it just really doesn't make any damn and sense. And I guess
0: there aren't any more Majestics, which is the highest level. Yeah,
1: Majestics are good. All-
0: Okay, do we have anything else to say? <laughs>
1: ah, no, I think we've gone over it. Do you think, <laughs> Definitely worth one one round if you're if you're into so, to something. Uh Daniel Len says for the Pride and Prejudice of the Dragon World. I love this sly, witty, fast-paced, brilliant little book. So if Jane Len says it's good. It probably is, right?
0: <laughs> I guess it would also be balanced on how much you actually like Jane Austen and other. Victorian little dramas.
1: And somebody doesn't particularly enjoy Pride and Prejudice, or Austen-esque writing. I thought it was good.
0: Yes, I don't enjoy that kind of stuff in any way. (laughs) Uh, I still thought parts of it were pretty hilarious, and you know, dragons and top hats!
1: (laughs) (sighs) And the and... (laughs) <laughs> Yay, but eating each other, but with such a decorum. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is our quote-unquote analysis of Tooth and Claw.
1: <laughs> yeah. Alright. Good night.